I'm Gab, he's Jules, blue skies over West London. Uh, Jules, we're going to talk about midweek rounds in, yes. in, in France, in La Liga, in the Bundesliga. But we've been preempted because we knew that the UEFA versus Super League judgment was going to come out today. What we did That's not right. know is that it would be so seismic, or yeah. so it first appeared. That's right. Uh, basically, the, the key finding here, and, and right, take a step back, but essentially this whole proceeding takes forever. It took yeah. forever. The attorney general came out and gave out a view like a long time ago, like six months ago. And now we have the final verdict, the, 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 the final written reasons, the final judgment, I guess. And this judgment says that UEFA have abused their position, UEFA and FIFA, yeah. As organizers, because they organize European competitions, and also they regulate them. This case was brought by an entity called A22, which is linked to the original Super League members. That's right. Um, Real Madrid and Barcelona were kind of the two clubs that were left in it, at least publicly. Uh, they brought this case, originally in Madrid, then it went to the European Court of Justice. Um, and on the surface... The, the headline is undoubtedly that they won. Yeah, it feels like a little victory certainly for the Super League, for especially the two clubs, well, the two main clubs still left in it, Barcelona and Real Madrid and their uh, presidents, Florentino Perez and, and uh, Joan Laporta, in the sense that it looks like, and certainly what the European coach is saying is like basically the way that UEFA and FIFA blocked the Super League project was unlawful. They were not allowed to do that. Uh, the way that the the, 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 fact the that rules they that they have them. relating yeah. to accepting other competitions is just not. It's not right. So that is the headline, and that was in because so they released something called the executive summary yeah. right in the morning, and it makes it pretty clear that that's what they found. But then you have the actual judgment, and again, you know my thoughts on lawyers and legalese. Um, it's very long. And already, when you speak to the two sides, to A22 and to UEFA, they're both putting their real, a real spin on this. Yeah. Because one of the arguments that they're making is saying, okay, so UEFA can't pre-approve uh, a league. They, they can't say, oh, no, you can't do this league, or you have to come to us for approval if you want to start a new competition, right? But, in fact, what they're saying is their system for providing pre-approval yeah. is wrong and is illegal. Yeah. UEFA have since introduced a new system in 2022, for example, which wasn't considered by this court because this court moves in slow motion. Um, does this mean that UEFA still have the power? Uh, that's not clear to me, and I think we're, we'll then have further test cases um, to interpret this, yeah. or until the legal scholars can come out and tell us um, what's up with this. Bef the other thing, which I think fans want to know, is does this mean that tomorrow, you know, we're back to April 2021 and we're going to have this massive Super League? Yeah. The answer is probably we won't because in a number of countries, in, 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 in England in, and in Italy, I, I'm not sure about what the situation is like in France, but they actually pass legislation yeah. where... You can't leave. You you can't join a league that's not recognized by UEFA that's without right. UEFA approval. Yeah. So effectively, if you were to play in this, you would forfeit your right to play in the Premier League, hypothetically. Yeah. 
Uh, that, I think, can still be challenged. Um, but that, again, is going to take time. Yeah, it's a faff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go down the road. So you don't... So do you actually think that today actually changes something, really? I know it looks like a small victory for the Super League. You know, people, A22, Florentino Perez, Joan Laporta, blah, blah, blah. But do you actually think that it's that big, what is happening today? It's, it's, hard, it's hard to tell, frankly, because of the legal intricacies. But no, I, I don't think this is like the Bosman case at all. Okay. The idea with UEFA abusing their monopoly situation because they are regulators and they are competition organizers at the same time, I think that's out there. And I think we knew that it was heading in that direction. The question is, is there a specificity, yeah, specificity. Uh, of sport? Is there something within that that tells us, well, wait a minute, sport is different. This is not a normal business. To what degree would they go down that road? That is what we didn't know. And I think that part is still open to interpretation. Yeah. In nuts and bolts, UEFA's new approval system that they introduced in 2022, is that compliant with European law? Because the court also said today that their judgment doesn't mean that um, a competition like such as the Super League project must necessarily be approved. So they're just saying, listen, we think that UEFA exactly. abused their position we, of domain of Right, domain and they position. need to revise their systems. Yeah. So, um, and I'm, I apologize if, <laughs> and to our viewers as well, if we can't give you cold, hard answers. I almost wonder I don't think there are any. If it's by design. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you've explained really well, Gab, what's, what this means, how we are in this process that's going to be long anyway. I don't think, I mean, Real Madrid and A22, Barca can say that, yeah, we've won, football is free, uh, all of that. I think we all know that this is a little bit misleading and that it's far, it's far more complex than just, than just thinking like, okay, now the Super League is back on track, this is what we're going to do. And they've put actually on paper a format of what would look the, what the Super League would look like now, which we can go into more details, but there's still a lot of hurdles, right? It's there's a ton of straightforward. There's a ton of hurdles. What's interesting about the format that they put on paper, and essentially, it's. Uh, I mean, I know you you have some details there, Jules. Yeah, because you um, told me, only because you told me, so I wasn't well, down. But it's you have a first division. Yeah, called start the, here. The star tier. For the stars, star I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then you have a second division, which is called the Gold League. Yeah, for the gold teams. Uh, which Those two both have 16 teams. And there's a third division called the Third League. No, just <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. Being hard. No. It's not. The it's blue, called the Blue League. Blue. You're, just, uh, you're just blue. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, if you fly British Airways, you got sort of, you know, exactly. tier, silver tier, blue tier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, but basically the format is... The, in the top tier, in, in the star tier, you would have um, the 16 teams split into two groups of eight, yeah. and they would play everybody home, home and away. away. So you'd have 14 games, yeah, uh, and then the top teams would qualify for an end-of-season tournament stroke playoffs. And they think this, this would be far more exciting and innovative because you would get more matches among the top teams. Yeah, so you can expect along. the top eight. This, for example, the first in the star tier, the 16 clubs would be... The four best in England, the four best in Germany, the four best in Spain, right. four in Italy. So that's already... 16. 16. Right they have to make room for Paris Saint-Germain. Of course. So, but yeah. <laughs> but um, and then the interesting thing is if you're at the bottom, you would get relegated to the gold tier. Yeah. And then the gold tier, you get relegated down to the blue tier. Yeah. So 
what I find really interesting is they say that, well, this would make it open to everybody, right? Because nobody would be guaranteed a spot. True, nobody would be guaranteed a spot. But if you're in the start here, and then you get, you'd have to get relegated twice. To have to requalify, basically, right? Yeah, and then fall out, and then you would yeah, requalify requali via your domestic competition. Because you only qualify for the blue tier, right? Through exactly. your domestic competition. If you already start or gold, you stay there unless you get relegated, like you said, to the blue, and then again. And not just that, but in the blue tier, you also have a bunch of teams that have been relegated yes. from the tier before. Yeah. You have a bunch of teams that have avoided relegation out of... So, in reality, I'd love to know how many actual spaces are available every year for somebody to qualify via their domestic leagues. Yeah, I agree. I wonder about the impact to the domestic leagues because right now the race for, for, for a top four finish is a big deal. If it's not a big deal because, hey, look, I already know I'm in the star tier next year or the gold tier or the blue tier, then how's that going to impact it? Yeah. Um, they make a lot of claims about to have games on free television. Like All of this needs to stand the test of time, but all it seems so far is We've created an, an alternative format. The approval system, that UEFA can't say no and send us all away. Yeah. They have to consider it. There is an approval system that UEFA have in place. This approval system, which was introduced in 2022, may or may not be compliant with yeah. European law and presumably will need to have another long-winded, wasteful trial about whether it is compliant. Yeah. But the irony in all this, Jules, and this has been rumored for a long, long time, is that the next evolution of European competition is sort of post the Swiss model, which is coming in next year. Next season, yeah. Is some sort of three-tier thing like, like this. Like this. But you know, I've said to you from the beginning, from April 2021, when the Super League, we had this earthquake of the Super League, blah, 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 that in the end, it might not be called the Super League, but UEFA will be involved. All those top clubs will be very happy, Florentino and Laporta included. A22 might have a role in this in terms of organization or marketing rights or commercial rights, something like that. And in the end, it would be very similar to this like three-tier for what the Champions League is now. Three-tier camp, probably the same for the Europa League and maybe the same for the Conference League or something like that. And then everybody would shake hands and be very happy. And we would have done all of that, all this arguing, going back and forth, paying lawyers, your best friends, a fortune to get to a point where actually they all agree that, yeah, you can't do it on your own without UEFA, that UEFA also need all those top clubs. And maybe they need a, ref a reformer of their competitions and just to rethink and make it a bit more modern, a bit more energetic, appealing, you know, whatever. And in the end, I'm convinced this is exactly how it's going to finish in like, I don't know, five, six years time. Yeah, I, I also think this idea that it needs to be more modern and innovative and make more money. And so look, if you're unhappy with UEFA's governance, that's one thing. We can have a discussion. I think there are things to be legitimately sure. unhappy always, about, right? Legitimately unhappy with that, with the way they enforce their own financial sustainability, sustainability rules, lack of transparency in certain issues, a whole bunch of things which yeah. I think are very legitimate. But to say, oh, well, the Champions League is boring, European competition are boring, I'm like, on what basis do you say that? Mm. Do you say this based on the fact that the television rights could be higher? But the reality is television rights are flat or declining everywhere. Look at the Premier League, right? I, I think they would, they would yeah. acknowledge the fact that the Premier League is the most successful football league in the world. Maybe the most successful sports league in the world. Yeah. The NFL might debate that. Whatever, it's up there, right? The Champions League revenue, their TV revenue continues to grow. They've expanded it, whatever. 
I don't know the future is necessarily going to be from old school pay TV subscribers following that old model. Maybe it might be something different. But if you look at, if you use other metrics like sponsorship, like uh, engagement mm -hmm. on social media, all these other things, I think the Champions League is still hugely relevant. It's yeah, but still Florentino Perez says that you know the younger generation don't watch whole 90 minute games. So which he, is not true. Yeah, he, and then he brings no evidence for this. <laughs> this is another issue about this is that, and this is the other irony, right? This three-tier system that we're talking about, this is a lot like the system that Andrea Agnelli floated back in 2019. Mm. Now, at the time, Andrea Agnelli was head of the European Clubs Association. European Clubs Association, by the way, who have come out very squarely on UEFA's side um, yeah. with, a, with a statement in, in the last couple hours. He was... He was negotiating the club's position with UEFA. He introduced the system. He was on the UEFA Executive Committee. I'm not saying he could have definitely passed this if this is what he wanted, but he was in a very strong position yeah, to was, do so. Yeah, for sure. And then what happened? They didn't. And yeah. instead he chose to go down the route of the original Super League. I don't know. The climate has changed, Jules. Yeah. Um, I think if they can get something out of it, I think it does open the road. Maybe, hypothetically, a competition that uh, maybe it opens the road a little bit for cross-border competitions. Like, let's say, if La Liga and Serie A wanted to maybe merge mm -hmm. or do some sort of merge tournament, I think they're going to have more latitude to do that. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think there's a massive can of worms, like we said before. Premier League clubs joining, German clubs joining, if they even want to. Yeah. I think that's going to be a I long, mean, long You can't have a Super that. League without... If the English clubs really, because of that law that passed, uh, can't join a new competition not approved by UEFA, you can't have a Super League without Bayern Munich, who, who were not keen in the first place. I mean, PSG maybe not, but PSG were not in because they were with Seferin and UEFA. And then, and then no English clubs? I'm not, yeah. That's and not possible. The thing about after Brexit, obviously, English clubs are not bound by the ECJ yeah, in the so. same way that they were bound before. But equally, it's, it's a British law yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that was passed. And what I find also quite interesting is that as we take this now, the verdict's been out for just over three and a half hours. Um, we haven't had one club, other than Real Madrid and Barcelona, come out and say, yippee, this is a great day in European football. Mm. I think what will happen is we may be, see a different revenue distribution going forward. We may see a different handling of the commercial and sponsorship contracts yeah. um, because that's much more of a kind of a business sort of competition law sphere, right? Yeah. Where if I'm, say, Paris Saint-Germain, well, Paris Saint-Germain is always a bad example of everything. If oh. I'm Barcelona, no, no, if yeah. I'm Barcelona, yeah. right? And... Let's say UEFA want to go and do a deal with, uh, what's a competitor to Spotify? Amazon Music or YouTube yeah, yeah, Music, something right? Like that, yeah. Um, I went like, wait a minute, I'm at the Spotify camp now and you're doing a deal with one of my competitors. How do we sort this out when I, Barcelona, provide this much? I think these are legitimate questions. Yeah, I yeah. think there should be a legal framework. UEFA probably say, there already is a legal framework from it. Well, whatever. Maybe we should have clarity on this. Maybe the club should have a bigger say. UEFA have already create a new company where the clubs are, where the ECA are, are, are joint shareholders. Um, maybe you can go further on that. But in terms of clubs suddenly being allowed to do what they want, in terms of there being the appetite, I don't know. Um, let me ask you this, and let me leave you with this thought. We know all these clubs effectively were lied to us the first time around, right? Yeah. 
by John W. Henry, liar. Right? He then well, he then apologized for it to his credit, right? Yeah. Glazers didn't apologize afterwards because they don't like to speak in public, but we know that they all did a 180 and they all pledged to stay and so did Chelsea and Arsenal. and Could they all be lying to us again? Could they all be sitting there and saying, okay, Florentino, like you, you like playing the role of the bad guy. Laporta, nobody likes you anyway. You guys go ahead. Strike a deal that you, benefits you all of us. The, and then we're going to come background is still like... Yeah, do, do, do we think that? No. Nah, do we think that think they could come back in? No, now. Not after the, the, the backlash from the fans in April 2021. I think, I think it would be a very different... If they were to do it, it would be in a very, very different way than just catch everybody by surprise like they did two years ago, two and a half years ago, and just go, hey, this is it. We've all joined this new Super League. Come on board kind of thing. I don't think, I don't think that they would do that mistake again. All right. Time will tell. And again, I'm going to repeat my caveat again. This is complicated. It's a very long judgment. People yeah. are saying different things. Maybe they'll find stuff in there that leaves room uh, open. But in our early reading of this, yeah. um, there will be some change. Uh, but this is not sort of the seismic thing that people were, were, were saying it was originally. All right, enough Super League. How about some Barcelona oh, instead? Yes. Uh, Jules... They, they had gone three games without a win. Yep. Barcelona, uh, Xavi said they needed a win. They got the win, 3-2 against Almeria. But then we saw the grumpiest possible Xavi. <laughs> I, I love Xavi. I love yeah, him as of a course. player. We all do. I really like and respect him. He came out with really, really tough quotes, especially yeah. with the first half. He said, and I'm kind of quoting from the Spanish here, but bear with me. But he says, I don't accept the first half. We are not 2010 Barcelona. Either we run like animals or we won't get there. Either we give our lives or we win nothing. We need soul. Yeah. That's a really, really damning assessment. Yeah, it is. And they played Almeria, who is the worst team in La Liga by far, one of the worst teams in Europe overall. And again, with, with no margin, they created chances and they could have scored more. Gundogan missed a... I mean, a chance, I don't even know how he doesn't make contact on the ball on the line to put it in. But so they, it's not so much about the chances they created because we said before that they lack efficiency, like Lewandowski does, for example. It's more that again they concede two goals, two really bad goals. They look, they look really shaky defensively, which is strange considering they were by far the best defensive team in Europe last season. But when you look the quotes, Gab, and especially the one about I don't accept the first half, who came off at halftime? Christensen and John Felix. So Christensen is having bad games for, a while, for quite a while defensively. We said it was not working. It was one, one and a half time. The Joao Felix one. For me, this is a message to Joao Felix. I took you off and I put Ferran Torres on. So not Messi, not Cristiano, not Mbappe. Ferran Torres on for you because clearly the lack of commitment and effort from Joao Felix, which was obvious for us to see on television anyway already, I think Xavi didn't accept it. Yeah, and in Ferran Torres as well, you know, you're bringing in somebody who, obviously he has his critics, he's far from a perfect footballer, but he is somebody, also because he was schooled under Pep at, yeah. at, Manche at Manchester City, who will attack the space, who will run, who's going to work, you know, who's going to work his backside off. Yeah. We, we, we've seen him at City, we've seen very talented players dropped uh, because they weren't, they didn't run enough off the yeah. ball. Look, Sergio Aguero, to name but one. Um, so I think that, that probably was a direct message. On the flip side, what struck me was you mentioned the the defensive mistakes. Um, they're kind of to me they were kind of individual errors. I mean, yeah. I wasn't great collectively, but 
and the individual error is committed by the guy who's actually been reliable for most of the last yeah, two yeah. years. What's happening to him? Ronald Araujo. Help me. I, on the first one, on the offside, where, I, by the way, I love how the referee, like, you know, after he scores, he puts the flag up for offside. He's like, ah, oh, look, I'm sorry, the linesman. I've covered all my bases. Yeah, it was close, <laughs> but it was obvious that he but was Even Batista always says, like, mm, if it is, it won't be much. Yeah. I mean, there was, it was just but, So I think he gets the line wrong there. On the second one, where Iñaki Peña, you know, and my commentator's like, oh, it's a howler from Iñaki Peña. I'm like, I have to assume that Iñaki Peña calls for the ball. Of course, right? surely. Any, any goalkeeper in that situation is going to call for the ball. And so if you're, if you're Araujo, you have to get out of the way, unless yeah. he didn't hear him. Uh, unless maybe the, ma the, the mask he's wearing like somehow blocks his ears as well. Because Araujo is making Peña drop the ball, not the other way around. And maybe Peña should have jumped with his knee high, First, like, Great, so he can give Araujo a concussion. I know, but at least he doesn't concede, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but still, it's just yeah. One what those. I thought was also remarkable is the the the, the crowd. Uh, what crowd? <laughs> the people oh, at yeah, the it's half empty. And again, we need to explain this for context for people who maybe haven't been to Barcelona or are unfamiliar with the situation. And, and Barcelona fans traditionally, it's an enormous fan base. They, when the camp now is full, it's the biggest stadium in Europe or second biggest, right, yeah. in terms of average attendance. Yeah. But it's not always full. Yeah. And it's even less full in Montjuic, where they, they're playing while they're reviewing, uh, they're renovating the, the, the camp now. And people don't like the stadium because it's not a football-specific stadium and because it's, another part, it's in another part of town. But still, I, I struggle with the idea that I don't want to go to watch my team. You can say, oh, it's only Almeria and it's on television. It's fine. No, But you're not going to watch Almeria. You're no, going also, to watch your team. Yeah, and also, okay, it's Wednesday night at 7 p.m. local time, so it's a bit early for, for Spain, but still. But I don't think it was empty against Girona in the big it's, Catalan derby. It's not far for Girona fans to travel. No, and some of them yeah. did travel, but from the, the, away, the, home, the home end, certainly not full. So it's not the, it's not the first time. And maybe that also plays uh, a part of the lack of intensity from that first half, by the way. It could be. The fans who were there were pretty intense in their booing of the yeah. team to the point that after Rafinha scores his goal, you know, he does a thing where he puts his fingers in his ears. Uh, you know my thoughts on players reacting to the crowd? Here he's reacting to criticism from his own fans. Mm -hmm. I don't quite know how I feel about that, but I will be asking <laughs> you that. I have a major problem when people do it to fans of the other team. Yeah. In Rafinha's case, though, I don't know. I don't I'm know how I should sure. feel about this. I'm not too sure it's for the crowd. I think it's one of those, the Memphis, the pie. I think Memphis was probably the first one to do that kind of celebration where you say, like, you know, I'm... I'm just focusing on myself. I'm not really listening to the noise outside. Yeah. It doesn't have to be from the home fans. It could be from the media, from away fans. But in that game, when your team's getting booed by their own fans, no, maybe know, it sends a different message. Maybe, maybe you need to a little awareness. It's different to the Bruno Guimaraes, Cole Palmer kind of celebration after the penalty in the penalty shootout in the League Cup that we will mention later on the show, for example. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I saw it and I didn't think it was, there was any problem in it. All right. You want to show some love to Sergio Roberto, right? Right? You know how I feel about Sergio Roberto. I know you're not a fan. It's funny because I was watching, I was watching, uh, uh, I watched this game, I watched a post game on Liga TV, and they had uh, uh, former Barcelona and Chelsea legend Chapi Ferrero. Yeah. And I don't know if he's related to Sergio Roberto somehow, but he absolutely loves. Sergio Roberto, and he's oh, yeah. like, oh, he sacrificed himself at right back over the years. He's been so unlucky with injuries. He says, like, you know, he's one of the best attacking midfielders yeah, in no, the Liga. No, 
No? You don't no. think so? No, no, no. <laughs> no. I was about to tweet. No. Okay. I was before his first goal. I was where well, he missed already a chance. I was about to tweet, uh, to post um, something like, "How is Sergio Roberto playing in this team, please?" And then he scored. Literally a minute later, <laughs> he scores the header, and I was like, "Okay, okay, maybe not this time." He has a contract. He's there. He can contribute. I, I, I do want to take it though to the midfield. Gavi's out for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Pedri, I think, again. is going to be out maybe until January. Then yeah, I think it's, it's going to take two, two to three weeks or after the, the winter break. But it'll probably take him time as well. Like, you know, I thought, and I feel bad for him because I thought he played well against Valencia mm-hmm. and it looked like he's building back up. And I look at this midfield and I'm saying, I don't know what level Gundogan can provide. I feel like he's been really up and down. Yeah, I agree. And it's almost like, looks to me like, you know, he had that great season last year at City, and it's difficult to then follow up on a new team. Yeah, yeah. The Young's back, which is good news. Romeo had a stinker at the weekend, but you know that's not going to be. No, Rome- Romeo I never want to see Romeo ever again wearing that shirt. But somebody's got to play a midfield on this team. I know, play Fermin, who's still young, but we saw last night. There's a couple of good passes. He runs a lot. He's got a lot of energy. I think he's potentially a really good player. Good the one. I agree with you. I'm not really sure. I don't even know what he wants to do, where he wants to play, because he was such a, a very specific role on the pep last season, especially where he was a bit of everything, really, in a way. But only the, the pep system in that city team allowed, allowed him to be a second striker, sometimes even a nine, sometimes an eight, sometimes a ten, sometimes a six, sometimes a bit of all of that in one. I'm not really sure this Barca team right now is structured like that there's that kind of freedom or i'm not even sure if freedom is the right word but i just don't and certainly that's not what they need they need gundogan to do one thing and do it well whatever that is that xavi is asking me to so whether it's that being really high up on the pitch close to Lewandowski almost as a second striker fair enough maybe he's to be the guy that Pedri can't be now because he's injured in the second phase of attacking plays where you need to be the guy to progress that ball forward and create something which gundogan Seems to me that he does less and less now. At, at times, I saw him of that kind of player, not so much anymore. But I don't know, there's clearly something not right because we don't see enough of him being decisive. And yesterday, again, I know that chance, I don't know what happens. He looks like he was scared of the ball, closed his eyes, and the ball was gone, and then that's it. But that should have been a goal. I want to end this by taking it back to that quote about 2010 Barca. Because I'm old, I remember 2010 Barcelona. And you know, with Xavi, I think he's actually wrong when he says either we run like animals or we won't get there. That Barcelona team, the the, the 2009-10 team, and like the Even earlier iterations, to be fair, those guys ran like animals. You look at the numbers of the, uh, so they managed to have the highest possession, and they also managed to cover the greatest distance. That was a pressing team. You know, Messi back then, yeah, was younger and ran a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Iniesta, Xavi, I mean. Samuel Eto'o, come on. So it's interesting because there's no shame in running. But it's a different style of running, right? Isn't it? Because when you don't have as much of the ball or doesn't use it as well as... You don't use it as well because your players aren't as good. 2010, 2011 is the greatest football side yeah. that's ever played, right? Well, like, I don't domi- think domi- ever club, played, but... No, but club side. Yeah. Club side, yeah. really. Pro- pro- right up probably. there. And I don't even think he should compare. Nobody's comparing. Why is he comparing? No. Nobody's comparing. I don't think those players believe that they are like that pep team. So I thought that was a bit hard. But I get his point. All 
All right, enough Barca. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Liverpool are through to the semifinals of the League Cup with a 5-1 drubbing of West Ham. Uh, Jules, how about that Sobosly strike? Yeah, that was pretty special. We know why he hits the ball so well, obviously, because when he was a kid, his dad on purpose bought him some boots that were too small, so his feet would not grow uh, because his dad was convinced that the smaller your feet, the better player you are. Okay, this is a true story, but that's not why he hits the ball so well, by the way. <laughs> so don't do that with your kids. Don't do that with your yeah, kids. Please. Please don't do that. However, we know, I mean, since really he burst onto the scenes when he was in uh, Salzburg and uh, Leipzig, that he just has this incredible technique, the way he hits the ball, and we have seen it already at Liverpool, and it was another example. I, I am concerned again, a parental advisory. Slatan <laughs> Ibrahimovic hits the ball better than Soboslai. Cristiano Ronaldo hits the ball better than Soboslai. I guarantee you, have both feet. have no, both have far bigger feet than Soboslai does. And right, I just wonder if his toes are a bit like... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. This is disgusting. But you Move know on. what? I'm really disappointed by West Ham. You know how much I don't like David Moyes anyway. But you, I just don't think, even away at Liverpool, you can just... It's the League up. Cup. It doesn't matter. It was, a strong, it was a strong West Ham Ooh, team. Oh, yeah, strong. Ogbonna, it was strong. Gerard Bowen it was still forward. a strong team. Yeah, okay. Jared Bowen is... Really good in that position. He's a forward, not yeah. in that okay. team. I'm not happy with Moyes anyway. No treble for Inter this year, Gab. They're out of the Coppa d'Italia, losing at home to Bologna in extra time after they came from behind. Yeah, no trouble. They, they, they won the last two. Look, Simone Inzaghi, what does he do? He rotated again, but it was still, like you said, a very strong team. They figure out ah, Bologna, you know, they're flying high in the league. We, we got this. They would have had it. Lautaro Martinez misses a penalty. Ben, yeah. But then Inter actually take the lead to Carlos Augusto an extra time, and you figure this is done. But then what happened? Bologna, who, by the way, were also resting players, yeah. they, have, they sent, they'd sent yeah, on cool. Joshua Zergze. Yeah, we love Zergze. His two assists, the first one especially, again, see, watch the highlight. Essentially, a off a corner kick, the ball is going out of play. He somehow flies through the air, and he looks, he looks with his eyes, Back heels the ball. Does this is a flying back heel kick for an assist uh, to, to make it to make it one yeah, one. One one. Uh, then sets up Andoy. Andoy, who's I don't think has ever scored in his life, makes it two one. Um, or certainly not for Bologna. To Bologna. What Thiago Mota is doing with those players, the Andoy and Ferguson and Zerzi. Incredible. Incredible. To one of the youngest teams in Europe, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Chelsea also advanced in the League Club jewels past Newcastle on penalties in a game that Kieran Trippier probably wants to forget. Yeah, and I mean, Sorry, we who's the guy? Who's the guy who's always like, oh, Kieran, Kieran Trippier is always a seven. He's always a seven. I know it wasn't you. It's somebody it else. Yeah. He knows who they are. I feel a bit for Trippier because I, really, I, I don't. think he needs I don't. a holiday. I don't. Go to the Maldives. I don't care where you go. Go somewhere hot. Do nothing for five days, seven days, and then come back. I, He's drained physically, mentally. Yeah, but you know what? Like, Newcastle have had a horrendous list of injuries. They've yeah. had to play the same guys over and over again. Yeah. Where and he's probably they... not fit, by the way, Trippier himself. Fine. Where have they not had, had injuries? In his position. Right? What do you mean? Like, this, this, is, this is a guy, if you're going to rotate somebody, this is the guy you could have rotated, yeah, he didn't right? Start. Kraft started that right back. But, but this guy shouldn't point. be playing. He was bad at the weekend as no, well. I know, but at some point, maybe you bring him on just for that kind of experience to keep the one need well, so you can advance and instead, in the, in the 92nd minute, his mistake that cost you a goal, and then you goes to penalties, there's no extra time right. in the league cup. He misses his pen as well after the mistake right. that cost the goal directly. I just, yeah, I just think, but again, Newcastle with 22% of the ball. 22 that's two and two. 22. Who cares? Two. It's the league. I care. Cup. It's away from home. But again, you don't, you could, don't play like that. Please, don't play like that. It's not the first time we've said it about Newcastle. Don't play like that. And in the end, Chelsea were... Okay, they, they scored only 
because of a mistake, but they created, they went forward. It was still a bit chaotic and a bit messy and all of that. But at least they put a lot of effort in, more than Newcastle, really. You're happy about that? You're happy you're in... No, no, I'm, just, I'm happy we're not going to talk about the League Cup okay, for a while. Fine. Okay, Bayer Leverkusen roll past Bochum 4-0 to make it 25 games unbeaten <laughs> in all competitions. Gab, incredible. And how about your boy, Patrick Schick? A hat-trick! Hat-trick. A hat-trick. You know what? It's at the perfect time because guess what? Victor Boniface, who, by the way, came on and scored because Four that's Schick. how he rolls. For Schick, yeah. Um... He's going away to the Cup of Nations, but that's okay because Schick is hitting. But you know I, what happened in this game, right? Xabi Alonso benches Boniface, Kosunu, and Tapsoba. The three play almost like the three players are going to not be there when the winter right. break finishes, when the league starts again, right. because they will be. At so you can court. test out their replacements. This is you, you think what he's this doing? Is perfect. Whatever. Twenty-five games unbeaten. That is a new record for uh, German football, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Two goals for Kylian Mbappe on Come his birthday on. as Paris Saint-Germain beat Mets 3-1. And he gets an extra present oh, as well. Little bro, Ethan, makes his debut as well, Jules. By the way, can I say something? You know how, like, Mbappe... Don't be mean. No. Okay. Okay, let me put it this way. Ethan, I believe, is more handsome than... Mbappe. I don't, he doesn't have that some, weird round it head. It depends yeah. on your taste. Some don't, some don't think so. If you do, then good for you. Okay, Ethan just is 16. He turned, so yesterday on Wednesday was Kylian's 25th birthday. Yeah. Uh, Ethan is turning 17 on December 29th. Yeah, so. we, that tells us something about their parents' habits. <laughs> Maybe. The whole family was there. The mum, the dad, in the stands, the How aunties, much does it suck the niece, for the Mbappe family, though? Nephew. Like Christmas, birthday parties, all like within a week. I know, I know, I know. I, yeah, I don't know. But it was special. My, my heart was melting, really, when I saw Ethan. I thought it would be. Great present from Luis Enrique to Kylian. What an amazing first goal by Mbappe, by the way. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out. Amazing, amazing night. I just, I can talk about that forever if you want. No, it's okay. not. Gab, we're getting the Club World Cup final. Everybody expected really Manchester City against Fluminense. Any chance do you think for the Fluminense all-timers, Marcelo, Ganso, Felipe Melo? I, there's always a chance because there it's a football match. They have to play a lot better than they did against uh, El Ahly. Uh, they won two nil. One goal was in garbage time. The other one was late. Lots of chances on both sides. For Manchester City, we played this weird strikerless system against Urawa Red yeah. Diamonds. I think they had 110% possession, which I think didn't know was possible, but, but eventually no, they broke through. I, I expected more from Urawa, to be fair. Are we excited by this final? We should I be, am. right? I, I am. am. So Friday yeah. night, by the way. Friday, the final. Long range heroics from Harry Kane as Bayern win 2 1 away to Wolfsburg. Jules, back on track? I mean, they were back on track at the weekend anyway already with that win against Stuttgart that we mentioned at home. This one was away and it was a different style again because this time they had a lot of the ball, more of the ball than they did against Stuttgart. We saw the Guerrero-Pavlovich midfield again that yeah, you like so much. Yeah, but I, I just love that. Thomas Muller with two assists. I mean, two assists. I said two assists. Okay, no, no, no. no he does not great. get an assist for the Muller one. You side foot the, the ball. The the, 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 it's, the still, it's still giving him as an assist. I, know. I, know, I agree with you, but great strike by Harry. He looked like he was freezing and yet he was still in short sleeve. Harry Kane. I love that from him. Uh, although he said that he's going to not stay in Germany for Christmas or in England. He's going to go somewhere very sunny and very warm. So good to him. Meanwhile, Atletico Madrid, Gabi, go down to 10 men and then let a two-goal lead at home to Getafe slip away and can only draw 3-3. 
We were concerned about Barca dropping out of the top four. We said that earlier on the show and last week as well. Should we be concerned about Atletins? Yes, you should be concerned because Why? look, they won every game at home this season, right? Until this point, right? Then the idiot gets himself, the savage gets himself savage. to send off after after half an hour. You still go three one. This is Atletico Madrid. Yeah. I expect you to be able to hang on to a two goal lead at home. It's a deflected goal. The Griezmann deflects the ball. But they gave up goal. so many chances late. I they know, couldn't get out of the back. Nah. Antoine Griezmann scored twice in that game to equal Atletico's all-time scoring record held by Luis Aragonés. Jules, he did it in six fewer games, 364 versus 370. Yeah, and with... You almost think, one was a forward, one was a midfielder. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, but still, you know, 173 goals. Grizzly at some point will obviously beat it and he will be very happy. It's a shame that that came without the win and only the draw. Uh, but we said, when he's good, when he plays well, everything goes well for Atletico. When he doesn't... Like we saw at the weekend, then I think they struggle more. And he's that's a, a concern, a I think, if you're Simeone. Yeah, he's a wonderful player. You can't player. be so yeah, reasonably dependent still, at this he's stage. He's a wonderful player. I'm so, so, so happy for him. Really, especially after he came back from Barcelona. Napoli are out of the Coppa Italia in the most humiliating way, Gabi. They lost 4-0 at home to Frosinone. What can I say? 4-0. Walter Mazzari, the master of disaster. Um, <laughs> That's a bit hard. Napoli had a chance in the, in the, the you know, Simeone, Gold de Salah, they thought they'd taken the lead. Yeah. Look, I have no issue with you mixing it up because it is the Coppa Italia, but you need to think a little bit. How important is resting players exactly. here? Like, what, am I resting them for the Champions League in February? You have a big enough squad, you should understand. deal with it. I don't get this at all. I think he sent the wrong message. I think he yeah. sent the message that Frosinone don't really matter. I, um, I don't think his changes helped at all. Look, Frosinone only scored, I think, in the last 20 minutes, and then they scored all those goals at the end when Napoli were chasing. But yeah, still, still, it's, it's an embarrassment. And yeah. this is not what you want. This is not, you know, you don't want to become a lame duck manager at this stage of the season because it's going to have a knock-on effect on your players. Big bounce back win for Stuttgart, Jules. 3-0 against Augsburg. And Seru Girassi is up to 17 yeah. goals. I guess it's always a good sign. If you get spanked one weekend, albeit by, by Bayern Munich, then you can bounce back three days later with a really good performance overall. Not just the goals, not just the 3-0 win. It was good. Girassi scores, Undav scores, Forrest scores. All their big players scored. That's when Silas nearly scored. Should have scored at the end. Scored, but all those big boys scored. The leaders carrying this team like that is good. They've had an amazing first half of the season, really. They deserve a lot of credit, a lot of love. Uh, Sebastian Honest and all his players. So well done, well done to them. I'm glad they responded that way, certainly. Talking about response, by the way, Borussia Dortmund stink it up again like they did at the weekend, drawing 1 1 at home to Mainz. Gab, top four is now six points away. Yeah, at some point there's going to come a concern. I think. Go now. You know, the other day I kind of defended him a little bit, but not surely. I, I, I don't know from the outside whether it's these players need to get a kick up the backside. I do know that I, I'd, I'd love to know what the director of football, what his role is in this, what, how much contact he has with the first team squad. Because this to me feels a little bit like Turchage is out there on his own. Right? Yeah. And this isn't Turchage. This isn't Sir Alex Ferguson or, or Jose yeah, Mourinho true, true. or whatever, somebody with that personality. I think there's people here are clearly not performing. It's not all down to him. He hasn't fixed certain things. Um, I still don't think he... I understand the full Krug move, but if you're going to do that, it's going to impact other things, and he hasn't, he hasn't made that work. We did have a Gio Reyna sighting yeah. late on. Thought he'd scored, disallowed. Um, there's a it's lot to sort out here. Yeah. And six points is, is a lot. Six points is a lot. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Jules, you love the League I Cup. I do. Chelsea will play Middlesbrough, who beat somebody, yeah. and Liverpool will face Fulham, who beat somebody else. Uh, Everton, Everton, I believe, on penalties. Yeah. Middlesbrough beat who? I have no idea. Port Vale? Well, well, Port Vale? What, what is that? <laughs> um, any chance? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, any chance of upsets? I hope so. I love an upset, as Port you know. Port Vale, by the way, is near Stoke. Is and it I, where that singer was from? I believe Robbie Williams. Yeah, there you go. He's from Port Vale. Okay. Uh, I didn't know where Port Vale was, uh, but I knew about Robbie Williams. I love an upset, so I hope so. You know my conspiracy theory sometimes about draws mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I could have literally put everything I have, my kids, my house, my car, my what, anything that Chelsea and Liverpool would not have been drawn against each other in these semi-finals. It's one of the many reasons why uh, this competition just... So I really think a lot of people are hoping for a Chelsea-Liverpool final at Wembley, obviously of, more than a full <laughs> Middlesbrough. A lot of uh, television executives perhaps. How great would it be if yeah. Middlesbrough faced Fulham in the final on February something, whenever that is. But hey, let's see. There's obviously two legs, as you know, so four more games for you to watch. And wait, and... <laughs> And do they play extra time at the end of the second one, or do they? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just hope it doesn't like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, it's in I January as well. Like yeah, you want to chill wait out, for us to recuperate. No, I can't wait. This was back on Monday, but Girona beat Palaves three 0 Both they and Real Madrid are in action later today on Thursday, as we record the show in the morning. They'll play in the league, and Girona will be away at Betis, which is tough, but they're still. Keep impressing everyone. No, comprehensive, dismantling. I think it was Dobbik opening the scoring. They just keep rolling. And and again, I think this Betis game will tell us a lot about who gets to be first at Christmas in Spain, which is, you know, uh, it's, it's a nice plus. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they're not going away. It's, 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 it's like this weird rash, you know, that no matter how you treat it, it just, you know, continues to affect you. <laughs> Newcastle director of football Dan Ashworth is the latest to be linked with the Manchester nice. United job. Uh, Jules, good choice? I think he's he's a great choice for Manchester United. Would this be a good choice for Dan Ashworth? That's what I was going <laughs> to come to in a little bit. Great because he's been a, he's done a great job everywhere pretty much he's gone, especially now in Newcastle, of course, where he's been for almost two years now. Uh, we come up to two years soon. Uh, it was great at Brighton, of course, before shaping that club, structuring that club. West Brom. Like they did West Brom. And even and with England, he did a yeah, good job Yeah, they signed all too. those players. No, I mean, West Brom, I can't, to be fair, remember right. so much. But, so yeah, is United, however, a good choice for Dan Ashworth right now, considering what is happening, what he's building at Newcastle? I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I, I think it depends where he wants to go. I think it depends his relationship. If you can, if you can lay it out for him from, from Dan Ashford's perspective, this is going to be the budget. You will decide our next manager. Blah blah blah. Then I think it can be, it can be attractive. Because look, Manchester United are a bigger club than the Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he feels a loyalty there, I don't know what his relationship is like with with Eddie Howe. I presume it's a good working uh, relationship, yeah, so. but equally. You know, when Eddie Howe at Bournemouth ended up falling out with some people at the end, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So you never know where these things are going to go. Some people always say you don't want to stay in a place too long. I don't think Newcastle would begrudge him necessarily if he left, given what he's built thus far. Um, it certainly doesn't hurt him being linked to another club. For sure. And if United want the best, he's one of the best sporting directors that I think there is in, in Europe. So, yeah, why not? Wow. wow, wow, wow. Yeah, he is, he is. All right. Also, it's funny, sorry, but can you just remind me about this? With sporting directors, you're going to be Mr. Contrarian. So, he was at Brighton, yeah? Yeah. 
Okay, and Brighton signed a bunch of great players, yeah? Yeah. And then he left, right? Yeah. And then Brighton continued to sign a bunch yeah. of great players. All right, just, just point this out. Well, no, doesn't mean that they can't do a good job without him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Newcastle, should just, put maybe Newcastle should just buy Brighton and turn them into their B team. <laughs> also back on Monday, Atalanta beat Salernitana 4-1. That means Roma are now down to 8th in the table gap. Is this a big deal for Jose Mourinho? I think it's going to be a big deal if they're still 8th at the end of the season. There's a lot of clubs that are very close to each other. And look, I think, yes, they can win the next game and then jump back up to fifth or sixth. Equally, they have Torino behind them and I think somebody else who's like three points back. This can slide the other way just yeah. as quickly. So yeah. I think it's something to monitor. But it becomes a big deal at the end of the mm. season. <laughs> Nottingham Forest have sacked Steve Cooper and replaced them with Mr. Congeniality Nuno Espirito no. Santo. Do you understand this, Jules? So I understand that the relationship between Cooper and... Marinakis, who is the Nottingham Forest... Evangelos. Evangelos, owner, his son, who is heavily involved, all of that was broken. has been broken for a very long time. They just they don't get on. There was always a point where I think they would just get rid of him, right? However, this is one thing... It's okay, I'm okay with you sacking your manager. You don't get on. You don't share the same ideas mm. anymore. Okay. And it's about probably that more than the position on yeah, the table because yeah, yeah. they are five points. I mean, they're near... They're, they're 17, but they're five points clear. Yeah, exactly. And they also know that the three teams behind them, Burnley, Luton and Sheffield United, are aren't particularly good. They're struggling. So it's, you're right, it's more that. However, if he's to then replace the manager that you've just sacked, who is loved by the fans, by the way, and by the players, by Nuno, then I have to say, I'm, then you've lost me here. I think what's also bizarro here, and how can I say this in a way that doesn't get me into trouble? Nuno is very closely associated with a certain football agent named yep. George Mendes. So in yep. fact, Nuno was Mendes's first client. Mm. Um, Nottingham Forest love to go and spend money, and they, yep. they, they make a million signings. I think Marinakis gets directly involved by the, the son and deal with a bunch of different people. Yep. Is this going to change when Nuno's on board? I is think this George, part of the reason? Uncle George is already quite heavily involved too. But is this part of the reason now with Uncle George around that everything goes Maybe. through him and they said, look, we're not going to sign 30 different players, right? And so Uncle George's like, well, if I'm going to be funneling the players, then let's get my guy in as yeah, manager. I, I don't know. Maybe they get Joe Felix too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gav, the Daily Mail reports that if and when Sir Jim Ratcliffe is going to complete his deal for those 25% share in Manchester United, he's going to make cuts. That's not good news if you're a fan to hear that. Well, he's going to be making cuts to the number of people who work at the club. So okay. th these are some numbers here. And so Manchester United as a football club, they employ, and this is non-football staff, um, 1,112 people. Wow. Now, this is a benchmark. Liverpool, who are also a fairly big English club, they employ 900 people. Yep. Tottenham Hotspur employ 750. Arsenal employ 700. City employ 720, but then there's all those other dudes yeah, who work for City, City football group, groups you yeah. don't quite know. So, like, I'm not an expert in football orgs. I do know Manchester United have a ton of commercial revenue, um, which is presumably what these people bring in. That's yeah. their main job, right? Because it's the footballers. And they've got offices around the world, too, and stuff like that, no? Yeah. But it is a bit weird that they're, like, 20% more staff than the next highest club. Yeah, maybe true, that's what he's true, looking at true all that said if you're looking to save money to spend more in your football club as we know most people who work for football clubs 
do not make a ton of money. They do it for the glamour. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Kike Sanchez Torres gets his first win in Whoa. charge at Sevilla, 3 0 over Granada. Jules, this means the problem was solely Diego Alonso. <laughs> I don't think it was only Diego Alonso, although as we know and as we've been telling from the from day one, he's not very good. Set pieces worked well for Kizanchez Flores in a game against the Granada team that is not very good. And maybe Diego Alonso would have won that game too. I don't know. Sergio Ramos, who I think played a big part in Kiki Sanchez Flores coming at the club, scored two, which was maybe a sign. Uh, and at least you get you get that kind of really positive new manager bounce kind of thing right so i want to see sergio as sergio ramos as player manager Why i not? know like troy dini you know a forest green rovers you didn't want to put that in no the because i don't i don't <laughs> care about that ridiculous like place and I, I i don't i don't dislike troy dini i like troy dini in fact but uh, that whole thing is just yeah, yeah no, okay. not my thing mls has decided that they want their reserve teams so the, the b teams not their main team to compete in the u.s open cup and many people many 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 people are not happy with this yeah uh and two guys who aren't if you want to go into more detail on this um check out uh herc and uh, seb salazar yeah. uh from football americas they, they did a whole segment on this so the u.s open cup is like the league cup right no, it's like the FA Cup. The FA Cup, sorry. The FA it's Cup. like the FA Cup. It's been going for more than 100 years. It literally involves teams from, from all levels, and they complete, compete against... Yeah, so what's the problem for MLS? What so MLS has said, well, some of these smaller teams that we have to play against, the pitches are bad, um, the players are bad, there's fixture congestion, um, and so we've decided that we want our teams to go and play their reserve teams it's called like mls next gen yeah, or something yeah, next gen, yeah. now a lot of people say well wait hang on a minute there's a bunch of first of all the reason you have fixture congestion is because i mean you set the schedule you set the schedule to the point that you actually set the schedule and you play during the world cup right so that's why you have fixture congestion right um so you can control that uh, the other thing that they would point out is wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that if you play an MLS team, you know, the proper starting 11, and then they lose to somebody from the USL, which, of course, yeah. is kind of the next level down. We talk about levels. But there's no promotion relegation, obviously, but they're getting yeah. a lot of buzz uh, and, and stuff like that. Then it's embarrassing for you. Um, the other aspect to this, which I think a lot of people are, are underscoring, is that the commission of MLS is also on the board of the U.S. Soccer Federation. Uh, and this is obviously a U.S. Soccer Federation competition. competition. Yeah. Um, the people have cited FIFA statutes. I haven't looked into it. I'm not a lawyer um, that say, well, you have to compete if you want to have if you want to be considered a Division One um, competition within within a country you have to compete in the national competitions. This is a national competition. Yeah. I, I, I think it's sad. I, I, you know, I made fun of the League Cup earlier for obvious reasons, but I wouldn't make fun of the FA Cup in the same way or <laughs> oh, any know. other competition I like know, this. I know, I know, I know. It's just been going for 100 years. But that's going to surely change. They're going to revert back. And is this coming from MLS or from the, from the team themselves? So the this, team is what, this is what I have a major problem with. This is coming from MLS. Okay. If it was the actual teams... If a club chooses, like, hey, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't care. We're going to play the next gen. Fine, right? But this is the league yeah, saying yeah, it. I agree. And they're crapping all over it. Like, they want to be different. 
and they, they really, you know, there's no promotion relegation, there's no, all these things that they supposedly make MLS unique, and yeah, that's fine, but you don't need to go and crap on the U.S. and the U.S. history and yeah, the U.S. Open Cup. It's one thing to say, well, we don't necessarily want to be like the European leagues. It's fine. But I this, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope fans make their voice heard. If, they, if the U.S. Open Cup is important to them, yeah. you know, then they should. Oh, and by the way, one other thing. One of the reasons is also, oh, but, you know, American fans, we don't like other competitions. It's confusing. One competition, blah, blah, blah. So, first of all, it's not really, and it also gave a spot for uh, I think it's Concacaf Champions Cup or, or something <laughs> like that. First of all, like, correct me if I'm wrong. You're a big NBA fan. I believe mm -hmm. you'll be going to the NBA game in Paris. I am indeed. Didn't the NBA introduce an in-season yeah. tournament this and year? The Lakers who won't even have a banner now. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, they all NBA. Wait, fans. and NBA fans within the U.S. are they American? National Basketball yeah, Association was American. The highest yeah. It's not some ratings. weird Canadian thing, even no, though. Oh, just just the checking. The highest yeah. TV ratings of the season or something mm, like that. Funny that. Final, so you know. Leon making two wins in a row, beating Nantes one nil. John Texter is smiling oh. again. He was brilliant with the Stonewise. Stonewise, three wins in a row, even Gab against you can't Toulouse. Can't stop him. You could only hope to contain him. Toulouse, Monaco, and Nantes. They played well. Like I said, with the goal, Shaky with the assist on his hundredth league league one uh, appearance. Future Italian international, Ryan of course, Shirky. of course. Uh, and Stonewise, great. I mean, you saw. I saw him after the game. In his like a post-match press conference, he just looks so norm so normal, you know, as like not really like a like a top club head coach or anything like that. So he looks I like a guy. He looks like Dean Smith. Yeah, yeah, just like a normal guy, like like your friend that you go to the pub with, kind of thing. He's a lovely, lovely guy. I'm so happy for him. It's a very late success in a career that was shaped in academies and and things like that in our lower divisions, clubs like Red Star. Great for him. I think now, and I'm expecting the confirmation very soon that he's going to get the job until the end of the season, which I think he deserves. And then in the summer, you see what you do with him. I think he'll be very happy to go back to the academy to do whatever he wants. But at least he has a shot at it. And so far, okay, they, they obviously lost the game before they, they against Marseille before the three games, the three wins in a row. But still, it's very good. So now they can have a really good Christmas. You know, if the season started in like. But after St. Nicholas Day, which I believe is December 6th, I think they would be top of the table. They're just pointing it out. Okay. And Gab, you have a correction to make after the last podcast. I, I did. Remember I told you about you know Milan winning 3-0 at the weekend and uh, Giancarlo Simic coming on. And, and, yeah. Or not coming up. Well, yeah, actually coming on for Pobega if he got injured and scoring. Yeah. And I said that his dad was Dario, oh, yeah, we know Dario Simic. Yeah, yeah. We know. Well, you didn't correct me at the time, so I'm going to correct well, this no, now. Well, no, because I, I, you know... I assumed... So, okay. So, okay, not only is Dario Simic, who's Croatian, not his dad, but this dude, Giancarlo Simic, is actually Serbian. Yeah. So it's even a different country. But Rocco Simic, who plays striker for well, Salzburg, is the son of Dario Simic. Dario Simic has three sons who play football. I knew Rocco Simic, obviously, Rocco was his is the son. Best, the best. I just thought that maybe he had this other son named Giancarlo, yeah. who played for him. But no, this is some other... No. This is another guy. So I'm we sure apologize to the Simic So yes, I, I, I just wanted to clarify that. It's a different Simic. Yeah. Um, but 
both well one a Milan legend one on his way to being exactly. a Milan legend and exactly. who knows maybe Rocco will come over exactly. and maybe have two Simiches who play for different countries how and about different that? families yeah and different families Brazil's national team doctor uh, gave an update on Neymar and suggested it's not realistic to expect him to be back for the Copa America he's going to save himself for the Saudi oh, Pro sorry, sorry. Mean. I think we all knew it we all expected it now it's pretty much confirmed that that the injury that he suffered, obviously, a few weeks ago was just too serious for him to be back on June 10th or something like that, which is the start of the Copa. I mean, he would have to be back, not just there, but way before to be able to get ready physically, fitness-wise. It's just not possible. And there's no risk. There's no point risking it. What? To have a setback, then you see what I mean? Like, to screw up your Saudi Pro League season? I don't no, know. You try I... to rush it and you start, you play the first game of Copa America and then you have a setback and you do the other knee or the same one I... or something. I take your point, and I'm not a doctor, I do, do wonder from Neymar's perspective, and this is a purely cynical view that I have, what are the main appointments in your life going forward? It's the World Cup in 2026 that you yeah. can probably still play in. Yeah, it will. And yeah. it's the Copa America, right? Yeah, no, I know. Uh, so if he does re-injure himself or can't contribute or whatever is it going to affect them in 2026 probably not because you know that's somebody's going to be judged on i don't know i don't know and again, I, I, I leave this open again, i leave this yeah, open but this is mid-december by april he might have we'll have a different view yeah maybe exactly so we'll see lawyers for juventus and cristiano ronaldo gave their final statements in the legal battle remember we talked a lot about it on the show around the 19.5 million euros bonus that cristiano believed He's owed by Juventus from his time at the club. Gab, one thing for sure, that Juve don't need this anyway. <laughs> no, and if you were really cynical, you might say Cristiano Ronaldo does not need another 19.5 million euros. Yeah. But equally, and we don't know this, but his lawyers are saying, wait a minute. You asked us all to take a pay cut. You then said, don't worry, you'll be getting some of that money back later in loyalty bonuses. Just don't tell anybody because technically we're not supposed to be doing this. And later they got busted for it. So Cristiano agrees with it. And then at the end, and then in the summer, Juve sell him and ship him off to, 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 to Manchester United. And then they're like, okay, well, look, since you're not here, you're not getting your loyalty bonus, right? So his lawyer's saying, wait a minute, that wasn't a real loyalty bonus. I was doing you a favor in taking this pay yeah. cut during COVID. So I can understand. I'm like, I mean, I haven't seen the, 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 the lawyer's arguments. I don't know what Juve's case is going to end up being and whether the court will accept it. But I can see why Cristiano would tell his yeah. lawyers, wait a minute here. You know, I'm not Father Christmas. I'm Cristiano Ronaldo. And I, and I get his viewpoint too. Yeah. Jules, that brings us to an end. What a show. What a show. But as the holiday season... Um, and because we're going to be respecting the holiday season, our next show will be sort of a Christmas special or a holiday special a holiday for those special. who don't celebrate Christmas. Yes, true, true. Um, and then we're going to be back uh, with the real stuff after Boxing Day when, yeah. uh, of course, the Premier League returns. Well, Premier League never really goes away, does it? Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. <laughs>